Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Madeline Peru is joining us. She's a jazz singer, songwriter, and recording artist. She got her start busking on the streets of Paris, but it's been 22 years since her debut album, which was entitled Dreamland. Her latest album is entitled Anthem, and it's a great pleasure to have her here on the Paul Leslie Hour. How are you today? Thank you. Hi, Paul. I'm fine. Thanks very much. You know, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time, so this is a big honor. Oh, thank you, thank you. Now, when people say something like that, busking on the streets in Paris, is that right. as romantic as it seems? There's got to be another side to that. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe there's always another side to romance, you know. So I, I mean, I don't want to complain about what, what what was difficult because, frankly, it's just so rare. I think that there's a special time and place when people can commune, feel like they're part of a warm, exciting group, and uh, and music, you know, is a is a common result of that. And I think that uh, it's not like that now in Paris, and it probably wasn't like that. 40 years ago, but when I was there in the late 80s and early 90s, it was sort of the tail end of a beautiful time when a lot of expats or other Europeans or, or French would sort of, they sort of found each other hanging out in, in the Latin Quarter uh, with their with their instruments. And it was just a jovial, fun time without a lot of um, difficulty to play music on the street, that is, you know. And uh, whereas now, or basically I witnessed the end of it when, you know, police would come and, and they would uh, confiscate your guitar and, and arrest you and things like that. So that changed. Wow. Now, I think it's worthy to note that I'm just a few miles at the present moment from Athens, Georgia. Mm. And I'm hoping you can tell yes. us about your connection to Athens, Georgia. My connection to Athens, Georgia is that I was born there. My father was teaching at the University of Georgia at Athens. He taught uh, drama and he taught film. And I believe he was picking up other classes as well, trying to stay afloat. But he uh, he lost his job there uh, when I was two years old um, because uh, I believe because he was a bit too radical, even for Athens back in the, at the time. There was a lot of pot smoking uh, and various other things behind the scenes. And I think he was just sort of against the establishment a lot of the time when it came to the way that universities have sort of control over uh, how things are, are supposed to go in the classes. So he uh, he did not get his contract renewed and we left. And I did not grow up in Athens. I returned there off and on over the years, but we moved around the United States quite a bit. And uh, so I was, so yeah, I'm, I'm born in Athens, Georgia, but I don't get to claim Athens as my heritage as much as I would have liked to. I'm basically from Brooklyn. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> if that's disappointing. No, not at all. 
Not at all. I'm, I'm seeking the truth here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we all are. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that if I tried to, I would fumble with with the words. But to me, this album seems really different from your others. Mm. Do you feel that way, or I do very much because, for one, I think that even though I've tried to be a co-writer and I've tried to work on original songs in the past, I think this record was more inspired by what I felt was a dearth of material that would address what's going on in our world today. And that uh, it was like when I was performing two or three years ago, uh, it felt like there's an elephant in the room and I wanted to be able to address the issues that were in 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 our lives, not just the politics of, of 2016 when I was on the road writing this record, but also I think just the, uh, our everyday experiences in this country and that have been that way for a long time, economically, racially. I don't think that we touched on hardly scratched the surface, but I think that the record was at least an attempt to open up some dialogues about what's going on, what, what what it feels like to be around today. And I just didn't think I had any songs that would address that. And I wanted, I wanted to be able to have some material that I felt, you know, could open it up. I don't know. Sometimes I feel we opened it up too much, but you never know. I mean, it's music, so it takes on a life of its own once it's, once it's done, you know. Now, did you have a clear idea of the concept of an album, or did that just kind of unfold on its own? It unfolds on its own. I think that happens to me anyway. But in this particular case, I frankly, I just was given the opportunity to co-write with these wonderful songwriters. And after about six to eight months, I started to feel like we, we might have a record. And then I asked Larry Klein, please, let's go ahead and do this quickly because it feels like it's meant to be contemporary. And uh, and during that period, I learned the song that Leonard Cohen had written called Anthem, which I had never heard. I became obsessed with that song, and it turns out to, to make sense as a title song because it sort of covers, I think, all of the stories that are on there in a way it sort of relates everything to one theme by calling it that. But the songs are written first, you know? <laughs> I really liked the interpretation of Anthem that's on there. And I'm hoping you can tell us, because you. you're welcome. You, you've recorded a couple of Leonard Cohen songs now. What does, mm -hmm. what does Leonard Cohen mean to you? I think of Leonard as a, a poet and a human being and not an, a God or anything like that. But I think it's the fact that he, to, to, for my, my experience, he's really embraced fallibility and he embraced it in a way that is like we were saying, truth seeking and honest and sometimes brutally honest with himself. And that, gives me hope it gives me faith in 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 men it gives me faith in in poetry and it gives me faith in in uh, you know my own life <laughs> it's 
So I get, I guess I gave him a lot of credit. That's why I prefaced it with, uh, he's just a human being. <laughs> <laughs> was there any doubt in your mind that you were going to call the album Anthem? Yes, absolutely. I, but I didn't have a title and, and I was looking for something outside the record and I couldn't find anything better than Anthem. Yeah. But, uh, it makes sense to me. The term Anthem means more than a political nationalistic idea. It also, I think has always meant something a little bit more poetic to me in that it, it, it covers this idea that each one of us has to sort of build our own individual anthem, our own philosophy of life. And what is it, what do I say when I decide what, what defines me? How do I do it? And a song, just like how a bird has to have its own song, even if it's a mockingbird, it's, it's, it still belongs to that bird, you know? So I feel strongly that that's an, it's an interesting concept for, for life, having your own anthem and uh, and it's an individual thing. That's one of the reasons I was so obsessed with this song when I discovered his lyric where he says, you know, there's a crack in everything. So it's very accepting and, but also in, curious. It's, in, it's like inquisitive and eager to learn. It's a song that makes you want to think and ask more questions rather than makes you decide what you might already agree with, you know. Wow. It seems like you're a person who really values the individual. Well, I don't want to make make it sound like uh, I'm uh, sound like it's a capitalistic thing to say that. I I I would I would say that I value the power that we have to be thinking people and to be you know, to live the examined, to live an examined life. That's kind of what I mean. Mm -hmm. Now, for the songs that you all wrote together, what was that process like? It changes with every song. Uh, one of the first songs we wrote was Down on Me because I felt that I witnessed a whole lot of this sort of financial spiral. And I, I just suggested the the uh, direction of the song be that um, no matter what bad things keep befalling me, but and but I keep getting knocked further and further down. I can't seem to be able to get out. Once you have one thing happen to you, one tragedy or even just an accident, uh, uh, that a small problem can spiral into a huge uh, financial problem and it can go it can never it seems like it'll never come back so um the idea was that the chorus would have descending chords and we would be singing down 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 so we uh, that's basically what i'm telling you now is kind of what i said to these musicians <laughs> and i said okay let's try it and we you know uh larry klein and 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 patrick were probably coming up with these chord progressions patrick warren sorry and I know that uh, David Bearwald immediately, you know, came up with lyrics as he always did. So did Brian McLeod on the drums. And uh, that was the first day. Um, but so on some other songs, it was completely the other way around where Larry, for example, I remember Larry Klein came in with a bass line for the song that became Lullaby. 
and Patrick Warren filled those chords out and it became so meditative to me that I was really stuck on this sort of image of what the song could be about. But I had no way of approaching the lyrics until David Bearwald and I uh, took a drive uh, around L.A., uh, went and got some really bad burger somewhere, greasy that is, bad for you. And uh, and I just described this image to him, and then he wrote the entire lyric pretty much in one go. And I didn't understand how to phrase it until he said, "Just look at it again," you know. But there were very various things on each of these songs where sometimes things came up. And the honey party was like that; uh, they were just jamming over these chords and. I went back to the hotel and woke up the next day and saw a bee on, on uh, dancing around and came up with those lyrics uh, myself. Yeah. All mixed up. Yeah. This is probably a difficult question. Could you pick a song from the album that you think best represents the album? Not necessarily your favorite. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess Anthem is the one that I believe best represents the album and its content and and in uh, in in its spirit. And that's why I think I titled it that way. But because Leonard Cohen wrote it, perhaps you want me to pick one that we wrote. Gosh, I don't know. Um, All my heroes, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. There was one song that maybe this is a little indulgent, but I, I wanted you to tell us about Liberté. Mm, right. Well, Liberté is in French. Um, it, this is a poem uh, that is very well known in France, a poem that is, I believe, taught in all high schools uh, and uh, by a poet that is, you know, one of the, one of their greatest poets of the 20th century, Paul Eluard, and the uh, the poem was written during the Second World War, uh, specifically during the German occupation. And my understanding is that Paul Eluard says that he didn't know what the poem would become, and that most of the time he was writing it, he thought he was writing it for his wife, because the poem describes all of these aspects, looking back to childhood, these aspects of one's life that are meaningful and that there was some other essence there that nobody could put a name to all those during all those experiences, walking to school, witnessing nature, growing up, getting sick, getting better, going through tragedy uh, and coming up the other end and various things. So it's kind of this sort of autobiographical poetry until we get to the end and he discovered the story goes, he discovered that he wanted to say that the, the, the name he had been writing on all of these experiences was in fact the name Liberty. And once that poem was written, I believe he, he uh, sent it to the Vichy government, the French uh, collaborating government. And that it was also, I think um, somehow dropped in pamphlets but from a plane all over Paris. It, it became a sort of anthem for the resistance in France during the Second World War. It has come up again in the French subconscious since 
a lot of them are recent uh, terrorist attacks because there's this sort of sense of how do we move on and unify our spirit in France. And that's one of the things that that poem can do. A couple of times in the interview, you've mentioned the producer, Larry Klein. And Mm -hmm. for all the listeners out there, he's just an all-around musician, record producer, songwriter. I think it's safe to say legendary. But I believe this is your fourth time working with him as as the producer. Is that correct? It might be our fifth time. Yeah, it might be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about how you came to meet him. I uh, met Larry because I uh, was saw, just signing to Rounder Records in, uh, I guess, 2003. And they, uh, they offered to help me find a producer to work with. Uh, one of my main concerns at the time was that I wanted to find a producer who was also a musician. Um, but I think they put me in touch with a handful of, of producers, some of which I'm not sure I remember, some of which were not available to talk with me. Some, I think one or two were, but their idea for the next record that I would make was, I think, different than what I wanted. And I had a phone conversation with Larry Klein in which he, he I, I asked him, uh, what kind of record would you like to make? And he said, I would like to make a record that sounds like a dream of a record. <laughs> and uh, and I thought, I have no idea what that means, but I'll try to understand it. And that's basically where it started. And uh, he was pivotal, by the way, in wanting to do Leonard Cohen songs. I, we spent a lot of time discovering, I think he sent me a book of all the lyrics uh, that Leonard Cohen had written, and I, and I started uh, messing with lots of different of those, many of those songs. I was familiar with him and had never recorded anything by him, but I was super excited to, to look into that, yeah. What do you think it is about Larry Klein that, makes the working chemistry so good? I I don't know. I believe that, you know, one of the seems to be the reason for me is that he is a musician in his heart and soul, that he is thinking of things in terms of, in, in sort of the general approach that a musician would in, in terms of why it's, it's joyful, why something is so wonderful, and always seeking that, just like a, a, he has, Certainly has the passion of a child in that way. Myself and Larry's relationship, it it might be that he's he's open to working really hard to get the best vocal possible, and I really appreciate his his tenacity and 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 patience <laughs> with, uh, with vocals and, and his, uh, he's exacting as well. And, uh, I think that for me, it's a great contrast to my approach to things, which is just barely making it most of the time, <laughs> just trying to figure out how to get the basic, the bare minimum and, uh, of, of what it is, what it's all about. 
I think I'm more messy in my approach to things, and, and he's more of a perfectionist in, in a different way. But, uh, you know, it, we've our relationship has really grown and changed and evolved, rather, in years. And um, I'm just, uh, it's always great, to be honest. And it just keeps growing and uh, gets deeper. So, yeah. I I probably didn't answer your question at all. (laughs) Sorry. No, I think you did, actually. Mm. You know, the first time I became exposed to your music, I actually have the day, (laughs) but I was doing an interview with Brian Ray, the guitarist for Paul McCartney, and I asked him, what are you listening to the most in your iPod? And he mentioned your name first. No. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, the very same day, I was really excited, and so I was pacing around at a Barnes & Noble, and they were playing one of your songs the same day, and I asked the lady, I still remember this, I asked her, who is this? And she said, it's uh, Madeline, uh, gosh, I can't remember her last name, and I said, it wouldn't be Madeline Peru, would it? (laughs) She said, yeah, that's it. Well, I'm glad they got the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to know, is it a thrill? I mean, is it is it kind of mind-blowing when you, you hear things about maybe people that you admire, especially when you find out that they're a fan of your work? Oh, of course. Yeah, it's stunning. Remember, I happened to be friends with Leonard Cohen's daughter before I knew who he was because we were both going to uh, the American School of Paris for for a little while. And we had classes together and we were friends. And I remember that after I dropped out of high school, I made a record, my first record. And uh, a few years after that, I called Laura Cohen and Leonard answered the phone and I said, oh, it's Madeline for uh, And he says, uh, Madeline what? And I said, Madeline Prue. And he said, oh, I like what you do. And I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'll put Lorca on now. I said, okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, of course, of course. It means, uh, it means a ton to be able to be part of that group if they'd have me as a member. And that's very exciting. Now, when somebody listens to this album, Anthem, is there any ideal reaction that you would get? What What do you want someone to get from the experience of listening? Well, the, 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 the trickiest thing about that right now is that that changes for me because the meaning that the record has seems to evolve now that it's out. These songs seem to be evolving from my, I'm playing them live every day and I uh, find different aspects of them that are more important from day to day, whether it's being soothed, uh, which I believe is probably number one first priority for musicians right now is to make sure that we're giving somebody something that they can that can console them. And uh, I, I think perhaps it gives us a chance to feel empowered 
because they are songs about what's happening now. And if people feel empowered by the idea of talking about things openly and not feeling shut down or closed inside their own worlds, you know, bombarded by news and media and, 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 and constant, you know, almost soap opera, melodrama or real drama. I, I hope that we can be, you know, part of that because music brings people together. So that's the ultimate goal, really, just to be all, all of us to, to actually share something. Well, on the note of sharing, at the end of all of my interviews, I have the most open-ended question possible. <laughs> I always like to give the guest the stage where they can go wherever they want. Just whatever you would say to our audience. Oh, I felt like you've been doing that the entire time. <laughs> um, and you've given me a whole lot of uh, open space and air. But uh, what would I say? Um, mm, I say carpe diem. <laughs> yeah. And I wish you love. I can't tell you. It sounds as corny as that is. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to go. I have one more Thank question. You. Mm. you know, I had all these labels for you at the beginning of the interview, that you were a singer, a songwriter, a recording artist, a performing artist. How would you define Madeline Peru? Um, yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a singer, I guess. Yeah, I'm a singer. Um, it's what I was hoping might happen. I would someday become a singer, and I've I've been working on it, and I'm going to continue to work on that. And that's definitely my first first joy. Well, anyone out there, if they want more information, they can visit MadelinePeru.com, and it's spelled P-E-Y-R-O-U-X. It's been a great pleasure to welcome you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this. Um, for, for everything. All right. Well, I appreciate it a lot. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> you too. All right. You too, Paul. Thank you very, very much. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye-bye. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment and Media. The Paul Leslie theme song composed, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. Outro music composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin, originally appearing in the short film Malukas and Vulnerable Jelly Things. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie Hour, and if you like us, give us a review. It'll help other people to find this content. All past interviews are also available on YouTube. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ThePaulLeslie. Thanks for listening. Be good. <laughs>